What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Before you mash that fast forward button to move to the beginning of today's episode, I'd like to quickly tell you about some ways you can support the show and everything that I'm doing right now. You can support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Again, just go on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month. Or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. It's incredibly important with the way iTunes works. So if you have a second, please leave a rating and or review and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts, you can check out chasethomaspodcast.com. That is all my previous episode, a link to my newsletter, and all my articles that I've written. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. You can like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer, or you can just tell a friend you found this independent sports podcast that they should check out too. Thank you for listening. You're all the best. And I think we've reached the point in this intro where my uncle Darren can play me in. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Ian St. Clair is on the line. He is an editor at Mile High Report, SB Nation's Denver Broncos blog. And Ian, before we can get into everything. I noticed recently that in your Twitter bio, you claim that you're like a modern day Ron Swanson. And I don't think I've ever asked you about what that actually means. I mean, I love Parks and Recreation, but to you, what does that actually mean? Well, short of actually being on social media, which is something Ron Swanson Mm -hmm. would never be. Just somebody who just doesn't take BS. um, Okay. Calls it like he calls it like he sees it. uh, Loves steak. that, 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 I mean, to me, that's what it, I, I wear flannel a lot, so I think that would fit okay. in well. Um, so yeah. I, I think that pretty much covers Do you go to the it. doctor? I, I, I do not go to the doctor. I, I hate visits to the I doctor. Same. Not a doctor guy. That's like one of my favorite things, though, is when he gets like they blow sawdust out of his ear and <laughs> yes. everything. Yeah, when Ron, and he gets the fever and he refuses to go and pass it. Yeah. And he's trying to eat. Was a... he does, he, what, he, <laughs> he's sick and he can't move, but he still tries to mm-hmm. eat anyway. I, yeah, I, I love that. Yeah. I miss that guy. He, uh, I might have to do a rewatch of Parks and Rec now that I thought about that. Because it's, it's been a little bit. It, it's been longer than I realized that that show's been off the air, but it uh, time flies. They need to do I a miss, spinoff. Uh, Ron Swanson. Do a, a Ron Swanson Who would be spin-off. Would it be a Ron Okay. That's what huh. they should do. I'd be down it for would, that. I, I'm sure it would do well. Like Frasier, I could see a little Ron Swanson world that people are into. Yeah, absolutely. Once a week. I think I think yeah. Nick Offerman would be up for that. I would agree. I think it'd be cool. Um, so right before we got started, 
you were seeing the praises of all of your rational Denver Broncos fans that uh, go to the great site that is milehighreport.com. And everyone's really ecstatic about how great everything is in Denver, how amazing the Denver Broncos are going to be next year, how amazing it is that they did not get Kirk Cousins and that they might draft a quarterback at number five. You know, they signed Case Keenum, and I I have documentation that I did say for months that Case Keenum was always going to be a Bronco. His history with Gary Kubiak in Houston, and you reading the quotes about Keenum at that time, like just gushing over the kid, and then Keenum was wore number seven because he was a huge John Elway fan growing up. Like, it all made sense. He was going to be a Bronco. It's it's inevitable, but I believe he's wearing number four. Is that right? Is he going to wear four instead of seven on the Broncos? Yes, that is correct, because obviously number seven is retired. Um, so I, yeah. I, I don't think they will be pulling a Frank Trapuca for Peyton Manning and pulling the number the number seven out of retirement. Um, so, yeah, it, it's obvious that, that seven will stay retired. Um as for the Case Keenum signing, as I've told other people, I'm holding out judgment until the draft. And that's because if they draft Baker Mayfield, I love the signing of Case Keenum. If they don't draft Baker okay. Mayfield, I hate the signing of Case Keenum. Oh, wow. Because Why? Because like, the deal isn't terrible. Like It's a team-friendly deal. And I'll go ahead and say, I think I, he's a much better fit for the Broncos than Kirk Cousins would have been. And I think the pressure is just, I think it's a good story. And I think at the very least, he's going to be the best quarterback the Broncos have had in like three, maybe four years now. And my problem with it is it just puts them back in the same position they've been in the last two years where, okay, so Case Keenum plays what? I doubt he plays as well as he played for the Vikings. I think to me that was an anomaly. So you look at the first seven years of his career, wasn't very good. So let's say he comes back to earth and let's say it's somewhere in between the middle of, of where he was with the Vikings and what he's been for the majority of his career. And I still don't think that's good enough. It still doesn't give you a franchise quarterback. And he's only, he's only what if they go like 13 deal. and three with Keenan this year. I don't and get to the AFC championship. Game. I don't think that will happen. I, I mean, I'm a Broncos fan and I, there's no way that's possible. I just don't see it. Okay. Um, I mean, case Keenum played well, but I think the way he played in the NFC championship game against the Eagles is closer to the quarterback case. Keenum really is. And I, I think a large part of what he was, was the, the team around him. And I, I just, as a Broncos fan, I do not want to be in the situation the Broncos have been in the last two years. Get the franchise quarterback. I get that people think yeah. that Case Keenum signing a $36 million, basically fully guaranteed contract is, well, you can't draft a quarterback now. And I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't buy that. I don't believe it. I think it's, I'm with you there. It's the perfect setup for, for Baker Mayfield. And when you look at the kind of player Baker Mayfield is, it's almost identical to Case Keenum, the kind of player and quarterback they are. The difference is I think Case Keenum is more mature. He's more relaxed. I think he's 
he's confident like Baker Mayfield, maybe not to the extremes that we've seen from Baker Mayfield, say against Kansas or Ohio state. And I think that's where case Keenum can help Baker Mayfield. But I, I, I love the signing of case Keenum. If it's Baker Mayfield, because I don't think Sam Darnold, uh, Josh Rosner, Josh Allen will be available. I think they'll, they'll be taken. I don't think the Browns trade out of four. So I think Baker Mayfield is going to be there at five, and I think Elway has to take him. And if that's the case, I love the signing of Case Keenum. Okay, couple things. One, I don't think Mayfield's going to be there at five. I think it's if the Broncos are going to get one of the top four quarterbacks in this draft, I think they're going to have to trade up. And that's going to be interesting to see if Elway does it because – I don't know if you read the Monday morning quarterback piece uh, for Peter King that profiled the Kirk Cousins agent drama that led up to him picking the Vikings. And it came down to the Jets and the Vikings and just uh, how close it was between the two, which I thought was interesting. But there were nuggets in there about John Elway and the Broncos. And I understood his line of thinking, which was like he didn't want to get left at the altar and he didn't want to go down the rabbit hole with Kirk Cousins if he was not really serious about coming to Denver and the Jets could obviously offer him the most money and he still turned them down. It wasn't official what the Jets offered, but from that piece, it seems to indicate that cousins got more money um, offered to him from the Jets than he did ultimately accept from the Vikings. But at the same time, the Vikings gave him the best shot to win. Now, like I was always on board of just like, if Kirk Cousins really wants to get into the Super Bowl title window right now, then he should go to the Vikings. The Broncos, I don't think are there. I, I mean, we just saw what kind of season they had. And obviously some of that has to do with Trevor Simeon and Paxton Lynch and everything else. But this is a team that's getting older on the defensive side of the ball. And I do have some questions for you there, but I, I think this is a team that needs to do a reset. But at the same time, I understand why he went, he pivoted to Case Keenum, locked him up just so at the very least, he still has a really good fail-safe key because Keenum, I mean, his numbers were pretty close to Kirk Cousins last year, and just thinking about what you got him for and just the culture changer and just having a competent quarterback again in Denver and a veteran competent quarterback I think is going to be beneficial, especially um, if they do draft the Mayfield. Like it makes the And you touched on this a little bit, that it makes even more sense because you give a veteran quarterback who's proven that he can play at this level um a mentor with um um with uh mayfield and i think it's interesting because i don't know if anyone's got a great read on the quarterbacks in this draft like i was listening to pro football focus this week and steve palazzolo and sam monson were talking about mayfield and the quarterbacks in this class and they i mean i don't think they like josh josh allen from what i've listened to and what i've read on pff it doesn't seem like they're big josh allen guys but what they are is they think it's like it, it. Baker Mayfield is the best quarterback in this draft and that people are overthinking it and everything else. And there are people that think Josh Allen's I'm still in the camp that Josh Allen is going to be a Cleveland Brown. And I think he's going number one overall to Cleveland. I still am in that camp. And then if Sam Darnold's there, does Elway go with a USC guy and Darnold? I don't think Rosen's in play for them, but I'm with you 100%. I want Mayfield in Denver. He'd be a lot of fun. And I think Denver still needs to get their franchise quarterback like you're talking about. I just, 
I don't know if they have the wiggle room and I don't know if they're in a position where they can give up a lot of picks because they need to go through this rebuild because they need to get younger. They just traded to leave. They like Von Miller is not getting any younger. Like I just Demarius Thomas, like when does he really fall off a cliff? Like there's just a lot of question marks on this team right now where I don't think they're in a position to surrender multiple picks to trade up a couple spots. And there's not really much room because the jets just trade up to three unless it's the giants. Like it's really, I don't know. Do you think the Broncos, it's realistic to expect Elway to be able to move into that number two spot or even the number one spot? Who knows? I, uh, I don't know. I think it's gonna be tough. And the way I think the draft plays out, especially the first four picks, I don't think he's going to have to trade up because I think Cleveland is locked in on Sam Darnold. I, maybe I, maybe I'm doing this too easy where I'm taking Ocam's razor a little bit too literally. But when I see the owner of the Cleveland Browns talking to a prospect's parents at his pro day, I take that as a significant sign that they really like Sam Darnold. And I think the Browns are going to go Sam Darnold. I don't think the Giants are going to trade out of two because the team that they would have to trade with is the Bills, and they'd be going from two to 12. That's a long ways to fall. And that's a lot yeah. of players that are going to be falling out of your reach when you're the Giants who just had a very, very rough season and you have a new coach coming in. So I think if, if they don't go quarterback, which I think they'll do because Eli Manning is at the tail end of his career. So I think it's either going to be, I think it'll probably be Josh Rosen. And I think the bill or the, the jets traded up to three and they made the move when they did because they wanted to beat Buffalo to that spot because Buffalo loves Josh Allen. And I think the Jets like Josh Allen. I don't think the Jets like Baker Mayfield. And when you think about it, you have a smaller quarterback with smaller hands. That's not really adept or built for that kind of the weather in an orchard park where it's windy and it's cold and it's snowy and you need, you need a bigger hand to get on, to get a good grip on the football. So I think the the Jets will go, Josh Allen. That's why they made the move with the Colts when they did before Buffalo could do it. I think the Browns. Do so you think the Jets put, are going Josh Allen? I think that yeah, Josh Allen because the the Jets, the Giants will go Josh Rosen, and then the the mm. and then I well, think the Jets the are Jets, screwed in that scenario if Rosen goes two to the Giants because then I don't really know what they do. I the Jets will go. Josh I would Allen. still go Mayfield. The Jets will go Josh Allen. I don't think the Jets like Baker Mayfield. Because, I might throw my. TV out the window if Baker Mayfield goes after Josh Allen. And I would too. And I'm hopeful that it does. But I think the Jets made the move with the Colts because they know how much Buffalo likes Josh Allen. And if the Jets didn't make that move, the Bills would get Josh Allen and they wouldn't. So that's why the Jets made that move. It's for Josh Allen. Who do you who do you think Elway likes the most? Because I wonder, you know, it's easy to forget is Van. I mean, obviously not if you're a Colorado native because Vance Joseph was a quarterback at Colorado. He was, a de- he came in as a defensive coordinator from Miami and he has that history with Gase and everything else, but people forget that he, he started off on offense. And I, I wonder if he's like, if that's part of his interest is like, it's interesting because their offensive coordinator right now, uh, Bill Musgrave, I, I could be wrong. I don't think he's been known for uh, cultivating mobile quarterbacks um, in his time and as offensive coordinator in the league. It's I don't know where their heads at there, and but 
I, I wonder, do you think Mayfield's like more of a guy that Joseph would want? Do you think there might be a disconnect between who Joseph wants under center versus who John Elway wants? Or do you think they're on the same page? Or who do you think Elway, based on his track record, who do you think he'd prefer? If everybody's available at five, who do you think he would take first? If they're all available, I, I, I think it would be Baker Mayfield. Just because Interesting. If, if you look at if you look at what he said, and there was an interview that he did with the Broncos website today, and um, he was asked about Baker Mayfield's and Josh Rosen's pro days, and he witnessed both firsthand because he went to both of them. And what what mm. what stuck out to me is that he continues to speak about off the field and intangibles as as almost more important for a QB than on the field. And that just rings Paxton Lynch to me because Paxton Lynch had <laughs> all the intangibles, but he could, he did nothing off the field. And if, for those who live in Denver, the, the reports have been for two years that, that Paxton Lynch just didn't care that all he did was play video games and whether or not those are true when they're coming from so many different people. And then you think about Elway and he, and these comments about, off the field and intangibles. Well, that screams Baker Mayfield to me. That screams the opposite of Paxton Lynch, which is what Baker Mayfield is. And I think what people are forgetting is also that Gary Kubiak is now on board. And obviously Gary Kubiak is a huge reason why Case Keenum signed in Denver. Gary Kubiak will be a huge reason why the Broncos draft Baker Mayfield. But I think for all the talk of wait, LA, so why? What's the connection between Kubiak and Mayfield? I don't think it's a connection. I think it's the type of quarterback that Mayfield is, which fits into the mold okay. of what Gary Kubiak likes, which is yeah, like Case Keenum. But I think the, the talk of Elway liking tall quarterbacks with big hands and a huge arm. I think Elway is starting to see that the last two times he's drafted a quarterback like that, he's been burned with Brock Osweiler and Paxton Lynch. So now you're seeing him hopefully evolving and realizing, you know, I passed on Russell Wilson for Brock Osweiler and he had to go with Paxton Lynch at that point because the chiefs were in on Lynch. The Cowboys were in on Lynch. So he, he did what he felt he had to do. Well, man, can you imagine either of those teams with Paxton Lynch instead of Dak or Pat Mahomes? I think what would what the difference would have been is that Lynch would have served as Mahomes, where he would have sat a year behind Alex Smith, and then they yeah. would have gone all in on him. The mistake that the Broncos made with Paxton Lynch was not playing him in 2016. He should have been the quarterback in 2016, but Gary Kubiak went with Trevor Simeon. And I will never understand that. I said it two years ago that this is going to set the franchise back. You don't go with Trevor Simeon over your first round pick. And they shouldn't have. They should have gone with Paxton Lynch. He was better than Trevor Simeon that, that preseason, but that's water under the bridge. And now they have Case Keenum to serve as the bridge for hopefully Baker Mayfield. Hmm. It seems like you're really dead set on the Mayfield stuff. Are you going to be upset if they trade up and take Allen? If they take Josh Allen, I I will throw my TV 
off of off of like <laughs> how, that. How will Broncos fans react? Do they all do they overwhelmingly prefer Mayfield, or do they? Is it kind of split? I think the majority of them want Baker Mayfield because they realize the opportunity the Broncos have. I mean, this is the second time in 27 years the Broncos have picked in the top five of the draft. You don't pass up an opportunity to get a franchise quarterback. The other pick was Juan Miller. That worked out pretty well. I would say it did. And the jury's still out, but I think that was a good pick. I think it was a good pick. It's going to, yeah. And for a little bit of history, in the 1983 draft, when John Elway went number one to the Baltimore Colts, the Broncos picked fourth. They picked a guard. They ended up trading that guard for John Elway. So So what you're saying is someone's going to pick Quentin Nelson at four and then trade that pick for the next John Elway. (laughs) Well, hopefully not, because I think the next John Elway is Baker Mayfield. Because we're getting a guard at, like, number four. That's... Everything's coming full circle, man. I think we're on to something. It would be interesting. But Whoever's the, picking Quentin Nelson in the top five is going to end up flipping that pick for uh, a quarterback. And let, the and there let, we go. Unless it's the Browns who take Darnold, and then they, they take Quentin Nelson. But I don't think they'll take Quentin Nelson. I think they'll probably take Chubb or Ward. Mm-hmm. And I think that's who they'll go with. I'm not going to pretend to know what the Browns are going to do, because I don't think they're going to be there at one and four. I think they're moving one of those picks. And I think they have so many picks. They want they want players. They want impact players yeah. now. And I, I think they're done trading. But who knows? It is Cleveland. They have have you looked at their front office structure? They have like forty five people in their front office. It's insane. Like if you look at them compared to like I think the Jets have a really anemic front office. I could be wrong, but I think if you go I, this is how much of a sports nerd I am. I spent 30 minutes one day just going through every team's front office and just looking at the varying degrees of how populated it was and what kind of analytics departments each team had and all that kind of stuff. The Bengals, unbelievably small. Brown is saving a bunch of money um, in that front office. But the uh, the Browns have like just an astronomical amount of people in their front office. So I, I, I don't know. Do you think John Elway at this point should be feeling any heat? Like, should he be operating on the assumption that this is like a make or break year for him, that he has to land a quarterback after missing out on Osweiler and Paxton Lynch. And, you know, they're kind of, it's been, uh, it's been a while since the Super Bowl, And I I wonder like Vance Joseph obviously was under fire late last year. And there was a possibility that he could have gotten uh, canned after one year, but, um, do you think Elway should be feeling any heat and, or do you think he actually is right now? He absolutely should. And I mean, just because he has had success as a player and one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback to ever play the game and the success that he had the first five or six years as a GM, the last two years fall directly on him. And he, he was the one who hired Gary Kubiak and allowed Gary Kubiak to make the quarterback decision two years ago. He's the one who hired Vance Joseph. And I still think Vance Joseph is a terrible head coach. I don't think it matters who the quarterback will be. (laughs) I think that the team is going to fail with Vance Joseph as the head coach. So I I think not only is Case Keenum a, a bridge quarterback for Baker Mayfield, he's also a bridge quarterback to a new head coach. But I absolutely, I absolutely think 
that John Elway should feel the heat. And I think he does put the pressure on himself because he knows what, what this organization, what the expectation and what the goals are. He played for Pat Bowen and Pat Bowen made the goal that we compete for Super Bowls or it's a failure. And that has stuck with John Elway. And I, I think knowing the competitor that he is, he wants to turn this around and he should feel the pressure. I don't know if the media here will, because it seems to be more of like a, a PR wing of the, of the Broncos than it is like the New York media, for example. Um, but he, he absolutely should. And I think he does. And well, I think anything happen if the team doesn't do as well as maybe they think, no, I think the move will be Matt Joseph gets fired and John Elway will pick another head coach. Oh man. Uh, I'm split because so much of the head coach thing, it's like if they get Mayfield I, and Van Joseph will probably be there for years because then you get like a franchise quarterback and he'll get him some wins and it'll be fine. And also this defense, which I have a question about because it seems like there's this new narrative forming around the Denver Broncos defense that especially now that they traded to that we're seeing the demise of the Denver Broncos defense. That's just been their strength for years now. Do you think that's overblown? Do you think that they really took a step back last year? Do you think the Tlaib stuff is really going to hurt them in 2018? Or do you think the this defense is fine and can still be a top 10 defensive DVOA team, uh, unit this fall? I still think that the Broncos defense can be a top 10 unit, even without Aqib Tlaib. Um, I think the Aqib Tlaib talk is, is overblown. I think, obviously, you don't replace a Pro Bowl cornerback, which is what Aqib Tlaib is. But I think it's been obvious that the Broncos were going to move on from Aqib Tlaib for over a year, knowing the contract details that Tlaib had. When you have a, an $11 million cap hit and $1 million in dead money, it was apparent that the Broncos were going to move on from Aqib Tlaib. And I have always viewed it as like a New England Patriots-esque move where it's probably one year too early to move on, but you move on that one year early. And I think the problem with the Broncos, even now without Tlaib, it's the same for the Broncos defense as it's been, even when they went to the Super Bowl and won. They can't cover tight ends or running backs. And Aqib Tlaib doesn't change that. He didn't help that. So So why do they struggle in that department? because they don't have a middle linebacker who can cover and they don't have, I think, uh, the safety to do it. I mean, I, I think Justin Simmons is getting there. And I think with another mm-hmm. season put in the right position, he'll have success. But I think that's also why you're, you're hearing rumors and talk of the Broncos trading for Sua Cravens from the Redskins, because I think that would mm. solve that problem. The Broncos have had, it seems like for years, of not being able to cover tight ends or running backs, it would solve that problem. And yeah, I like that move a lot. I think, and I do think Bradley Roby is better than people think. I I think him now being a starter with Chris Harris is going to help, but you still have a very, very good pass rush. Shane Ray was hurt last year. 
he basically had one arm and it really impacted what he could do on the field, but also off. He lost a lot of weight. He's now able to put that weight back on. And when you pair him with Shaquille Barrett, who I think is the, the more complete defensive end or outside linebacker, you have an interior defensive line. I think Domica Pecco and, and Derek Wolf and Zach Kerr, they have some guys who I, they have some depth. Shelby Harris was a guy who stepped up big last year. I think he's going to have a, an expanded role. So the pieces on defense are still there. Uh, losing to leave, it, it's never easy to replace one of the best, if not the best cornerback in football, but it's something that you have to do. And I think the defense will help. It, it will survive, but what will help is the offense playing better. And that's where Case Keenum will come in. And I think even when you look at what John Elway and Vance Joseph have said, since the, the season ending news conference, the day after the season ended, was their quarterback away? And they feel like Case Keenum, even if it's to eight and eight or nine and seven, that'll be an improvement enough to get them back on the right track. But as I've been saying, if they need to get the franchise quarterback, and that that's Baker Mayfield. And if it means struggling for the next season, maybe two, if, you, if you're able to get that franchise quarterback and set your franchise up for the next 15 years, you take the struggles for the next season or two. Hmm. And I think it's like, uh, going back to the, the Broncos defense a little bit, like they're still, they were second in rush defense last year. Like, and I think that's an important thing to remember because the Oakland Raiders with John Gruden are going back to 1998. They just, totally. Martin, they're, they're going to run the football a lot. And, you know, Melvin Gordon's in this division. Uh, you have, um, I'm blinking on the, uh, why am I blinking on his name? Kareem uh, Hunt. Hunt. Uh, Kareem Hunt. Yeah. In uh, Kansas City. Like these are all teams that are built around the run game. And the Chiefs just pr- promoted their running backs coach to offensive coordinator. The Charters, like I said, they are built kind of around Melvin Gordon and trying to take the pressure off Phillip Rivers as he gets older and you know, I think that actually really works in the Broncos' favor because someone like Toledo doesn't hurt as bad because you're in a division where everyone's going to be relying on running the football. And the Broncos, I think, figure to have a really good rush defense again next year. And it's not like their past defense was atrocious last year. It was still 15th. And they fell. And I think they were going to fall anyway because they were number one in football two years ago. Like, it's hard to do that back-to-back years. And they, it's their drop-off, I just think, was overblown I, I wanted to get your opinion on that as to whether or not it was really that bad and i think it's still a super bowl with caliber defense that if you get there they're right there with um the steelers the ravens the jack like the jaguars are probably entering their own zone now but in that same kind of breath where they can they can compete on that front and their defense is not the issue it's other things on the other side of the ball but uh, it should be interesting to see if they trade for Cravens or if they draft a middle linebacker because there are some really talented guys there I know they've been linked to like Roquan Smith and stuff but uh I I wonder if Elway can't get a quarterback in the first round or maybe he trades up again and adds someone but if he adds a defender rather than an offensive playmaker if he can't move up high enough 
and that that's one of the things that especially with with Broncos fans is the lack of attention to the offensive line, but it's also middle linebacker. He, it seems like he always goes uh, bargain bin shopping for middle linebackers. And you saw it with Wesley Woodyard. You saw it with Danny Trevathan, even though he was a draft pick, Brandon Marshall, these, these bargain bin guys who were practice squad guys or low round draft picks expected to come in and, and, and step up. And they have some modicum of success, but not, not that like Brian Urlacher or uh, Ray Lewis type middle linebacker who can take over a game. And that's one of the things the Broncos have been missing. And we'll see if that becomes something that Elway focuses on. I don't think it will because I think he's going to focus on quarterback, but that's, that's definitely something that's been an issue for this defense. Last thing before we move on to another thing. The AFC, I kind of touched on this with the AFC West. I can't get a handle. It's amazing how quickly things change because I think we all saw the AFC West heading into last year as like one of the best divisions in football. And this year, I think it might be terrible. I think almost everybody could be awful. Like we don't know. Pat Mahomes is going to be awesome. We don't know that. And I mean, they signed Sammy Watkins and... Their offense figures to have more firepower, but we'll see. The defense still has a lot of question marks. They trade away Marcus Peters. Like they're uh they're they could be in trouble on the defensive side of the ball. So we'll see there. I I don't know. They've had a lot of consistency with Alex Smith. He won a lot of regular season games over the last couple of years. And we Mahomes could be awesome. He could not. We don't know that yet. Uh so that's a question mark. The Chargers, you never know with Rivers. He had a great bounce back year, but Melvin Gordon obviously has injury concerns, but uh, we'll see. I, I don't know. I, they are a team that's been destroyed with the injury bug in the past, and uh, that's a possibility. The Raiders, I just, I, I think they're going to be terrible next year. I That's where I'm at. I don't think, I am not a believer in the Raiders offseason. I, I, I just, we might already be regretting the, or I shouldn't say we, Raiders fans already might be regretting signing John Gruden to a 10-year deal after year one in that deal, like based on what he's doing so far. But we'll we'll see. I, I just, if they get Mayfield, I could see them winning the division next year. I think the AFC West is wide open. Am I crazy for thinking that the Broncos might be my AFC West pick? Even as of right now, just with Keenum, I think I still might pick them to win the, the West. I, I don't think you're crazy. I think the AFC West is terrible. And I, I think the, yeah. the the biggest reason to question the Chiefs and to always question the Chiefs is Andy Reid. I, I just, I, I, to me, I don't. I don't think... question Andy Reid in the regular season. Like he just racks them up. Like he has to have like the most regular season wins in like the last six, six years. And that's why I. It, it doesn't matter what they do in the regular season; they will always fail in the playoffs. And because it's the Chiefs, and that's what the Chiefs always do. Um, but I agree with you about the Raiders. I. I John Gruden, even when he was coaching for Tampa Bay after they got that Super Bowl win, he wasn't even that he wasn't that good of a he really wasn't that good of a head coach, even with that Super Bowl win. And I, I think, as you said, going back to 1998, which is what they're doing with these all these additions, it I don't I don't get what the Raiders are doing. The Chargers. I, they have the potential. It just depends on how they start and how consistent they are. If they had a better start, 
or even if they had a kicker last last season, they would have probably won the division. But you just never know with the Chargers and how they're going to start or, or how consistent they'll be. So I, I don't think you're crazy. I, I wouldn't pick the Broncos to win the AFC West because I don't think they're going to improve that dramatically. And I don't think the other teams are going to fall off that much, but only time will tell with that. Yeah. Can I quickly, and then we'll move on to Odell. It just gets you to guess who were the top five, the last five quarterbacks who have been their top passers for the chiefs in like the last decade. Who would you guess? I was on that list. Top five quarterbacks. Well, Alex Smith is obviously on that list. He is one. Um, uh, 10 years is probably too far for Rich Gannon. So it's probably... Just about too far. Wow. I'd... Gannon was 1998. So that would be... That's almost 20 years. <laughs> um, yeah. Wow. This is really testing my this is why i think like when we joke about the broncos stuff like they've had it rough they i didn't like it's easy to forget like the i really hope the mahomes stuff i know you're a broncos fan but i actually just going back through it they deserve mahomes to be the next brett Favre. i hope it happens um i'll go ahead and tell you it's matt castle is one of them oh yeah okay how could i forget matt castle (laughs) tyler thigpen for one season with Herman Edwards in 2008, where they went 2-14. and 14. Wow. Brock Heward. Oh, Brock Heward. And Trent Green. How about those names for the Chiefs? That's their last five top quarterbacks over the last decade. That's funny. That's insane. Uh, as a Broncos fan, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> I would have lost my mind. Tyler Thigpen, Herman Edwards? Two and fourteen. Well, oh, I didn't. God. One of the best quarterbacks to ever play for the Chiefs isn't even a Chief. <laughs> oh man. Um. So the Giants might trade Odo Beckham Jr. And I I love this conversation. I love the back and forth. I can't get enough reading both sides of this because it seems like. One side's like, how could you trade the best receiver in football? And the other side is like, why would you not sell high? Like, he's had a disastrous offseason. He just is coming off an injury. You're paying him at $8.5 million this year. He's a bargain. Um, I, I'm still not sure where I'm at with this, but I will say people should go back and look at Jerry Reese's last, like, five drafts. Like, Bill Barnwell did a great deep dive into the Seahawks drafting over the last couple of years and why they're in such trouble on the defensive side of the ball and not having plate replacements ready for Richard Sherman, Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill, all those guys. They've just missed on so many guys in the last couple of years. Jerry Reese has missed on basically everyone. And the last big hit for him on the defensive side of the ball was Jason Pierre Paul. And they just shipped him out for a third round pick. So that cupboard is just barren. And if you can find a way, to flip, and this is what I think is interesting, is I don't think he's going to cost as much as I would have assumed previously. Because according to the New York Daily News, they say, they are saying they learned that the Giants asking price in a prospective 
Beckham trade is starting at a first round pick plus. The plus is the negotiable part, but the meaning is that it likely won't require two first round picks to get it done, which I think is pretty amazing. But I also think that's an in, like that's just a revelation as to the current wide receiver market in the NFL where teams are moving towards they'd rather have a good slot guy, a good deep threat, and like they, they want a hodgepodge of capable receivers they want a trio they don't want one superstar and then two below average players around him like if they have a choice they're going the let's have Jarvis Landry at slot let's have Josh Gordon deep and then um whoever else on the outside but like I think that's more I don't know I think that's what I would prefer but at the same time Odell Beckham Jr. is amazing and getting him on your team is going to help your team. Just look at Eli Manning with Odell on the field and without. It's atrocious. It's like Kimba Walker with the Hornets. Go look at Kimba Walker's on-off numbers. Tom Havistro tweeted it out, I think, yesterday of his last like five, like five years in Charlotte, like what their plus-minus is with him on the court and without. It's the same with Odell and Eli Manning. Like I, I, Eli is so bad without Odell at this point in his career that if the Giants trade Odell, then you have to trade Eli because he is not going to be able to function. And that's just going to be a terrible team this year. I, I, I'm i fascinated by all of this because I don't know if there's a right answer here. There is no right answer. And I think the right answer is whatever it is the Giants are offered. I think whatever it is, it's going to make Jerry Reese's job that much easier. If he's offered... Uh, oh, no, Jerry Reese is gone. Well, Jerry Reese got fired. True. It's Brian Gettleman now. So whatever Gettleman is offered is going to make this decision that much easier. Did I, mean, I say Brian Gettleman? Dave Gettleman. I, I'm losing my mind. So whatever he's offered is going to make this decision for him. And if if it's not what he wants, then he's not going to do it. If if someone steps in and, and blows him away with an offer, I, I think you make it, especially at the tail end of Eli's career. But if you also draft a rookie quarterback, if you take a quarterback at number two, you're going to want to keep Odell Beckham. So I think a lot of it will depend on on what Gettleman does in the draft. Do they take Rosen? Do they take Allen? I I think they'll take Rosen at two. Then you have to keep Odell Beckham because you're not going to have anybody for him to throw it to. Um, In terms of if he's traded, since everyone else seems to be going to Los Angeles, I want to see what he does with the Rams. Hmm. I, I don't know, man. Like, I think I love the idea of the Browns because their wide receiver coach coached at LSU and they just got Jarvis Landry. So he coached him and Odell together. And Jarvis, I think tweeted out either today or yesterday that he wanted OBJ to come to Cleveland but I still like, can you imagine just the kind of off season makeover that they're in store for Like they, if they traded for Jarvis, they bring in um, Odell, they draft their franchise quarterback, uh, they trade for Tyrod Taylor, and then the biggest bombshell of all, they signed Drew Stanton to a two-year deal. Just unbelievable move by John Dorsey and company, getting the, the vet Drew Stanton in there. But um, yeah, I... I like the Cleveland idea. I don't know if OBJ would want to go to Cleveland at this point in his career, but if you get to play with Jarvis and Tyrod, and that's a really fun offense uh, next year, if that's the case. And Todd Haley's now the offensive coordinator. So, you know, he's someone who has 
shown in the past that he can get the most out of a wide receiver group that has a lot of mouths to feed. Like he's had to deal with Antonio Brown, who's been awesome and making sure he's getting enough touches. And you got Martavius Bryant and just Eli Rogers and all these different guys that he's having to try and get uh, catches to. And it's just one of those things where I could see it. The Rams, like, I guess, sure, because they're signing everybody. They're trading for everybody. Marcus Peters, Akib Tlaib, Nadamkin Sue. Like, I guess they're just going to sign and trade for everybody. So why not bring in Odell? But uh, I'm I'm developing a little bit of a hot take on the Rams for this year. I think this is eventually going to backfire. They're adding so many personalities into this locker room. And I'm not saying, the, like... When does this end well? When you acquire this much talent, I mean, talent is an important thing. And Gettleman was clear to say that, like, it's just he's reluctant to trade talent like Odell because it's just really hard to get guys like that in this league. But at the same time, like, when I think of the Rams and Odell being there and he already lives out there, I think, in the offseason, I don't know. That's a that's an interesting situation, putting that many personalities. And that, I mean, it's a bunch of talent. But uh, I, I don't know. I think it would. Uh, we're nearing the point where you're asking Sean McVay and Wade Phillips to juggle a lot of, a lot of personalities and a lot of superstar talent that uh, could backfire in pretty disastrous fashion. I, I don't know. Yeah, I totally agree. I, I, I view it like the Eagles from what around. Yeah, the dream team. The dream team. I, I, that's how I view the Rams. It has the potential to be really successful or to blow up in their face. Because when you get those kind of combustible personalities it has the chance to to turn sour quick and if it's like i don't the sue stuff is probably the most fascinating because i don't we don't know what's gone on there but like the dolphins are eating a lot of dead money just to get him out of that locker room and the jets rescinded their offer and there was kind of some uh odd quirks there in that contract situation and i i don't know man like I, I'd be a little nervous. Like I love the idea of Sue and Donald next to each other. Like that's theoretically going to wreak havoc on this league. But Aaron Donald doesn't need anybody next to him to wreak havoc on everybody because Aaron Donald is just a freak of nature and going to be awesome either way. But I don't know if I have a choice between like just letting Aaron Donald be awesome and spending that money that fourteen point five million dollars on someone else other than Sue. I think I'd do it. That's just my first thought was. Rams are really going for it. They really believe in their culture and their locker room and everybody else. But I I don't know. I think it's like we both said, it's a huge play. Like it's either going to be really awesome and they're going to win the Super Bowl, or it's going to blow up and it's going to get ugly. And it definitely, I think the as it stands right now, I think the Vikings are the third best team in the NFC. I still think the Eagles are the best. Your top three. I think the Eagles, okay. the Eagles are, are still number one, especially with the moves they've made. I think the Rams are two, and I think the Vikings are third. So I this is – well, actually, lead. I'll, I'll save this take because um, I do have a t- – <laughs> actually, you know what? I'll go ahead and say it. Eric Thompson of the Daily Norseman, the Minnesota Vikings blog, that is also awesome on SB Nation. I'm sorry that I'm going to have to do this, but uh, I think the Packers are the best team in the NFC now. Oh, because they have Aaron Rodgers. They have the best quarterback in football. They have a healthy Aaron Rodgers. They're signing people now. I love the Muhammad Wilkerson signing. I love Jimmy Graham going there, moving on from Jordy. I, I think they're going to continue to add more talent. I don't know. Giving Rodgers more help seems pretty terrifying. 
especially in the red zone. <laughs> Cause that, yeah. that's the like, last just thing think... that, that Aaron Rodgers needs. So yeah, I actually agree with you. So I think the Vikings are the fourth best team in the NFC. I don't think they're the best team in their own division. I, I would, I would agree. And I picked the Vikings win the division last year and I think they're still gonna be really good. I just think a healthy Aaron Rodgers with Jimmy Graham and this defensive line that's already awesome adding Wilkerson and, I think Mike Pettin's going to be a really good DC for them. I think they're just going to be, I think we're in for a really strong bounce back year from green Bay this year, if I had to guess, but, um, well then you have to, the, the teams that you have the Falcons. Go ahead. Yeah. You have the Falcons. Oh who, no, you can go ahead and write off the Falcons. The Falcons still have Steve Starkeesian running this offense. So go ahead and cancel that out. <laughs> um, I just thought the NFC is pretty stacked and that's why I thought that for Kirk cousins, if he wanted to win, the better play would have been to come to Denver because the AFC West is terrible. And aside from the Steelers and the Patriots, there really isn't anybody in the AFC. And I don't, I don't, I don't take the Jaguars seriously because they still have Blake Bortles as their quarterback. And it was one year. If they can do it again this year, then I will absolutely give them the credit. But until the Jaguars prove they're not the Jaguars, I think the better play for Kirk Cousins would have been to go to Denver, but hopefully they end up with Baker. That's Mayfield, fair. And that's better in the end anyway. If I'm Gettleman, I'm calling the Rams because obviously Les Need has shown that he is willing to go all out to win now. And Cleveland, John Dorsey, just as bold as Les Need this offseason, want to call him, see what he's willing to offer. But then there are a couple wild cards that I would still look at. Baltimore. I think they need, they just lost Mike Wallace to replace Torrey Smith in Philadelphia. They need talent. They, um, who did they end up actually signing because of Ryan Grant's uh, failed physical? Oh, um, Michael Crabtree. He's now a Raven. I think they could, like, if you're really going to keep going with Joe Flacco year after year at this point, why not swing big? Your defense is going to be awesome no matter what. Go get Odell. Let's get Odell in Baltimore. He is, I would love to see him and Crabtree together. I, if you're going to really try and make it work with Flacco, you got to give him superstar talent around him. It's like an Eli situation where he, I, I would assume Flacco's numbers will be better with Odo Beckham Jr. than without him. That would be my bet, but you know, we'll see. Jacksonville, Tom Coughlin has history with Odell. Like I, I would see they're in win now mode. They lost Allen Robinson. They lost Allen Hearns. Like they signed Dante Moncrief. Cool. But I'm not thrilled about their wide receiver trio right now. And if you can give, like you just said, Blake Bortles, not great. And if you can get him some more help, why not? You're in win-now mode. Go after Odell. See what uh, Coughlin and Dave Caldwell are willing to offer for him. Last one, Cincinnati. We've all forgotten about the Bengals. I think we're in for a bounce-back year from Cincinnati. They traded for Cordy Glenn. I think uh, they finally situated their offensive situation. Like, I like Laser. Alex Van Pelt's their QB coach. He has... I think he'll be pretty good. I, I like their I like their team. I think they're going to have a bounce back year. I think people have been sleeping on the Bengals a little bit. What if they went out and got him? A.J. Green, John Ross, the speedster, and Odell Beckham Jr.? It's pretty good. And a healthy Tyler Eifert for the first time ever? It's a pretty scary offense. I don't know. That's where I'm at, and I think there are a lot of takers that I would wonder if these teams that are ready to win a championship right now, if they'd be willing to give up at least a first, but maybe you can get two firsts or at least a first and a second and a third from like Cincy or 
Baltimore, Jacksonville. I don't know what the Rams and really have left at this point because they've traded a lot, but uh, yeah, that's those are my wild card teams that I I would love to see make a play for Odell. It'll be interesting to see what happens with Odell Beckham Jr. Um, as a Broncos fan, I think it'd be awesome, especially if they were able to get Baker Mayfield if, if Elway could swing a deal. But then you're getting into what do you do with Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders? But if you get, you get those three weapons for a rookie quarterback, I could set him up for years to come. Yeah. Or we could just get really crazy and put him on Pittsburgh. Let's huh. get him and Antonio Brown on the same team. That would be nuts. <laughs> That'd be fun, though. That would be fun. Um, yeah, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, last thing, and then we have to go. So this goes back. I touched on this a little bit. Favorite deal so far. Spoiler alert. I like what the Packers have done by signing Jimmy Graham and Muhammad Wilkerson to their deals this offseason. Really like what the Packers have done thus far, and I think they're well positioned to be really good next year. Um, what are some of your favorite deals that have been dished out so far? Well, as a Broncos fan, uh, the two moves that I that I just I think are absolutely awesome because it depletes the New England Patriots offensive line are Nate Solder and and uh, Cameron Fleming signing with the Giants okay. and the Cowboys respectively. Um, yeah, moves Collins to guard for the Cowboys helps them a lot. Yeah, I like it. And Solder's on my list. I think it was a great move by the Giants and just sticking it to the Patriots one more time. Is exactly. And that's the main reason. Um, I, I, I agree with you. I like what the Packers have done. Um, I think it's helped them take, become, I think just a little bit better than the Vikings, mainly because they have Aaron Rodgers and now he has an unbelievable weapon in the red zone. Um, and I'll say it again. Case Keenum, as long as Elway drafts Baker Mayfield. I think Keenum's going to be great in Denver either way. I really do. Well, I'll love it even more if Baker Mayfield is here. You can come back on this podcast and yell at me if Case Keenum doesn't lead the Broncos to at least eight wins next year. I, I can see that happening. I But it won't matter to me if Baker Mayfield isn't on the sideline or playing toward the I'm, end of the year. So I'm starting to feel like you really want Baker Mayfield on the Broncos. Yes, I am. That's just the general sense I've gotten from this podcast, but I feel like you you want Baker Mayfield in orange and blue. I I, I think I've tried to hide it a little bit, but mm-hmm. I am, mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't think I, I was too successful at it, but I am definitely on the Baker Mayfield train. Okay. If I it wasn't say, clear before. I, we talked about this team a little bit. I love what the Vikings did with Kirk Cousins. I really do like three-year deal, fully guaranteed, good faith deal. They traded for Trevor Simeon, who I think shares an agent with Kirk Cousins. So I guess they're friends and all that kind of stuff, but yeah. And you know, I, I would not have paid Case Keenum what they paid Kirk Cousins. Like the appeal of Case Keenum last year was he was this awesome player, uh, like a top 15, like he's probably around the middle of the road, but you got him on a bargain. And he got you to the NFC Championship game. That's a huge win. Uh, we know in the NFL it's great to have quarterback play uh, that's above average or slightly above average, and you're not paying them really anything, and you can use that money elsewhere. They didn't pay Sam Bradford $20 million for one year. The Cardinals did. They didn't panic about him. They didn't panic about Teddy. They gave 
him the opportunity to go somewhere else as much as that hurt because Teddy was their first round pick. They traded up for him in, what was it? 2014. Um, it's crazy how long ago that already was, but this could have been a really disastrous situation because if they missed out on cousins and they let all three of those guys go, then what happens? They're in win now mode. This is a team that just went to the NFC championship game. They still had the number two defense and defensive DVOA in football last year. They have Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen, Kyle Rudolph. They have a returning Dalvin Cook. They're going to be good again. Like I, I, I'm worried about their offensive line a little bit going into next year, but this is going to be a really good team, and Kirk makes a lot of sense. They nailed the OC hire with John Filippo, getting him away from Philadelphia. This could have been a tough offseason for them because they had a lot of change, and losing your offensive coordinator to another team is never good, especially when you're losing your quarterbacks. But I, I think the Kirk's... Thing. I don't think it's going to win a Super Bowl for them, but I think it was the right move at the right time. And it will work out in the sense that I think they're going to contend for three years, which is all you really could have wanted coming out of this offseason if you're a Vikings fan. Just an opportunity to be in it year after year for the next couple of years. Because you never know in the playoffs, especially in the NFL. You just never know. And it's uh, I think they deserve credit for landing Kirk Cousins. Yeah, I mean, it was clear, I think there's always signs on what players and teams will do. And it's just whether or not you want to acknowledge them. And I'll use the Broncos as an example. It was clear two years mm-hmm. ago that they were going to draft Paxton Lynch. It was clear a year ago that they were going to draft Garrett Bowles. And it was clear that Kirk Cousins and the Vikings were going to connect. And obviously we didn't know this at the time, but when Kirk Cousins is in Minnesota, for the Super Bowl, and he's going around taking trips around the city. It's kind of a good indication that he's going to sign with the Vikings. Um, mm-hmm. So, I, as much as people want to think that there's smoke screens or that it's more complicated than it is, it really isn't. And I, I think that that's something to keep in mind as we get closer to the draft and you start seeing people trying to throw out these these curveballs to make people think, well, maybe they're going to go this route, or maybe this team's going to go this route. And I mentioned Ocam's razor earlier, and I'll mention it again. The, the simplest answer is usually 100% the answer. Mm-hmm. Can I give you my last, like, under-the-radar ones that I really liked? Sure. Tampa Bay, I make fun of a lot on this podcast. They have people talk themselves into the bucks every year and it never happens. Love them signing Vinny Curry and trading for Pierre Paul. Their pass rush was anemic. They have Jared McCoy in there. They needed help for him. They weren't going to compete until they addressed their defensive line. It's going to help their secondary because our secondary, I believe was either last or dead last in pass defense a year ago. And a good pass rush will help that. I think they deserve credit for adjusting and uh, getting guys in there for Mike Smith's defense. So shout out to them. I think they've had a good off season thus far. I'm not going to say they're going to win the division or anything. I'm not going down that road, but I will say Jason light has done a good job addressing that. Um, love Dion Lewis to Tennessee. Dion Lewis was, you just had to watch the Pats a lot this past year to n- appreciate how good Dion Lewis was for them and how critical he was to their success, especially in the regular season. I think he's going to be awesome with Matt LaFleur in Tennessee with Mariota. And I never believed in Derrick Henry as being this bell cow back. I think he's good, but I think especially in today's NFL, unless you have like a Le'Veon Bell type, I think you want a rotation. 
And I like the idea of pairing him with Henry. I think they're going to be a really good combination with each other. I think Tennessee is going to have a really scary offense next year. So I like what Tennessee has done a lot this off season and um, love AJ. I'm just kidding. I was about to say, I love AJ McCarron to the Buffalo Bills. I, I, I kid, but um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and then the last one, Allen Robinson to the bears. Just look up the game where the Chicago bears last year, shout out to John Fox for pulling this off. I believe they won a game where they did not have a receiver catch a pass last year. That happened. Mitch Trubisky was throwing like eight balls a game and they won a game that way. So for them to get someone like Allen Robinson in there, who is still supremely talented when he's able to stay on the field, big win. Get Trubisky some help. It's going to be fun. So Bears, I like them being aggressive. They got some wide receivers for Trubisky in year two. So that's cool. Allen Robinson, I think I could see him being like a huge boost for that offense next year and will be a nice addition for Trubisky. So shout out to them for making uh, a bold move and bringing in Robinson to fill that kind of the Alshon Jeffrey thing when he went to Philadelphia to help out the young Carson Wentz and everything. So yeah, absolutely. Thanks and for looking up in Chicago. I, yeah. Especially since I got rid of John Fox. And I think, it, that helps the fact that the fact that the, the bears won a game where they didn't really pass shouldn't be surprising when it comes to John Fox, because remember he beat the Kansas city chiefs with Tim Tebow where Tim Tebow completed two passes. That's true. That's, that's like the John perfect Fox. John Fox <laughs> game. Oh my God. And he's, did he, who did he sign with? He's an analyst for someone now. Was it ESPN? Yes. ESPN. So if you, if you want to learn what someone will do on third and seven with a hall of fame quarterback and two timeouts with a, a kicker who can boot it from 60 yards and potentially send your team into the AFC championship game. Listen to John Fox because he'll tell you to take a knee. Uh, I, I feel like uh, Broncos fans don't have pleasant memories of the John Fox era. They shouldn't. He's the reason they didn't win multiple okay. Super Bowls. Oh, man. All right, man. Well, this has been a lot of fun, and I'm glad that your spirits are high because guess what? Worst case scenario, and all the Mile High Report listeners, worst case for this team, I think they go 8-8. Eight and eight. That's worst case. But I, they're my division winners right now, and I hope they get Mayfield. I want Mayfield to go to the right team. I like the idea of pairing him with Keenum. That's best case scenario. Then you win either way. Um, yeah, man. I uh, I think the Broncos are moving in the right direction. I think they'll be okay. I, I hope so. And I think they'll take another step. If if they can get Baker Mayfield into a an orange number six Broncos jersey. And they'll set the franchise up for the next 15 years. And Broncos fans dealing with what they've had to do the last two years will be a, a distant memory. So... We'll see what happens, but I, I think it can it can be all set up with a good draft. All right. Well, let's see what happens. The draft's always fun, and I think John Elway will be busy for the next couple of months. Uh, Ian, thank you so much for taking the time. We can find you on Twitter at Ian St. Clair. We can read you at milehighreport.com. So go there and keep up with all the Bronco stuff as the craziness continues. Ian, uh, let's talk again soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Chase. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. 
I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys. Bye.